Today on Retire Smarter, we dive into real life scenarios and gain insights into crafting a successful retirement plan. I'll dissect the client's journey, exploring the intricacies of early retirement, healthcare decisions, and tax smart distribution strategies. Coming up today on Retire Smarter. Hey, welcome to another edition of Retire Smarter. Walter Strohlt here with you alongside Tyler Emmerich, Wealth Advisor, Certified Financial Planner, and Chartered Financial Analyst at True Wealth Design. Got a great show on the way today. Always love it when Tyler is able to share some stories with us about clients who have gone through a particular planning scenario, and we usually drop a few of those in each and every episode. But today, Tyler, you're giving us a treat. We're, we're really, truly, you, you said dissect in your intro. <laughs> we're going to dissect somebody's financial situation and their plan and really dive into the nitty and gritty over, over the entire episode. This should be a lot of fun. Yeah, no, excited. It seems to be common feedback from the listeners. Uh, they like the stories, uh, see how it applies to their specific situation. So we'll see if I can give a few good tidbits today. Uh, that's that's a great point, because even if something in today's story you, you listen to and you hear folks, you're like, well, that's, I, don't, I don't have that. I don't, I don't go through that situation. The point isn't to try and match this up with your exact scenario, but hopefully you can put yourself in the uh, folks' shoes that we're going to be talking about today and kind of see how the planning process would work if you were to come in and go over your specifics. So sort of our goal of the show today. So looking forward to that, Tyler. Uh, before we dive into all of that, everything else going well in your life? Yeah, everything's going well. I made it through uh, Trick or Treat That's uh, right. with the two little girls. So even though it did snow on us here uh, oh, in Northeast man. Ohio. So uh, it was a bit chilly, uh, kind of cut us short a bit. And then, you know, for whatever reason, my two little girls, they again, I don't know if I should say this or not, but Applebee's is like their favorite restaurant ever. Oh my gosh, it was mine when I was a kid. I, I loved Applebee's. Right? Yeah. I was like, yeah, it's not maybe my favorite, but boy, they love it. And uh, uh, so when you got two little ones, you know, after they're put in the car seat and you look back and they're going, Applebee's, 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 oh my you know, gosh, it's kind of hard not to, uh, not yeah. to slide in. So we did, uh, we did get some Applebee's afterwards and warmed up a bit. So you were, you were eating good in the neighborhood. <laughs> That's right. That's your That is. So that is so funny. Uh, Applebee's was yeah. my favorite place growing up. And what I will it? tell you, I probably haven't been to an Applebee's in a decade. Oh, I, me, I, honestly, before these two little girls, I, uh, they, they went one time with a family member, and boy, after that, they were hooked. Um, I don't know that what it was. That is so funny. What, yeah, what, what's me, the thing the to get way. at Applebee's? I'm going to find one and go to it over the next couple of weeks. <laughs> it's not exciting. Chicken and broccoli. Chicken and broccoli. All <laughs> right. Broccoli. All right. And they dip in honey mustard sauce, I guess. Which, oh, gosh. Well, yeah, that spices up healthy, broccoli but... a little bit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I feel the, like yeah, that whole that whole like type of chain between Applebee's and Chili's and, uh, I don't know, just similar, yeah. maybe a Ruby Tuesday. They, they kind of have that similar mm -hmm. vibe, right? I feel like I used to go to them did, all yeah. the time. And now just over the last several years, just don't know why we just never go to those places anymore. But, yeah, I'm same boat. So yeah, yeah. Funny. but uh, but other than that, yeah, and then we got the holidays coming up. So hopefully, uh, you know, good Thanksgiving and all that stuff. And um, yeah, just wind down for the end of the year here. Very cool. Yeah. Will you guys be hosting this year or letting somebody else do all the cooking? Actually, we'll be doing some some cooking. So okay, I think we're going nice. to do a little bit of hosting for Thanksgiving. I have to let everybody know how it goes. Yeah, uh, we'll see. Are you going to try anything out of the ordinary, or are you going to try and stick with the traditional basics? Uh, hey, if we can if we can knock out the basics, yeah. we'll uh, we'll be good enough. <laughs> so, Not a bad. Deal. I wouldn't call us uh, you know the best cooks in the house. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll nice. see how it all turns out. We'll get through it. But Very how about cool. you? 
Yeah, we're going to probably uh, do a little hosting on Thanksgiving since we're uh, we don't have a lot of family nearby, and uh, we're going to be heading back east for uh, for some um, Christmas festivities. You know, a couple of weeks later, so we're going to do the Friendsgiving thing. We know of a few other folks who don't have a lot of family mm-hmm. members close by, and so but we're not going to do Friendsgiving on like a separate date. We're just going to do it on Thanksgiving, and so we'll still have nice. a nice traditional Thanksgiving gathering, but just do it with uh, with the friends that are kind of in the same boat as we are. So that should be fun. Yeah. That'll be first time we've awesome. ever really kind of done that sort of deal so yeah i'm sure all the listeners are getting prepped for their end of year stuff as well yeah. and you know the holiday season but um i'm, yeah, I'm debating whether it... to try my duck or not or just stick with the turkey <laughs> oh you're so. way at, far out there than me uh, um t- turkey and, and and maybe buying a honey baked ham uh are probably there as far you go. As that's we'll not get. a bad deal so yeah. we've uh, a but, friend uh, of ours has uh, is being gifted three different pies and so they were like, I don't want to eat all this pie on my own. So we're just going to bring all three pies to the to the Thanksgiving gathering. So I was like, perfect. So dessert is taken care of. They don't even have to cook it. We don't. They've been gifted like their realtor nice. and their, their, I think maybe their financial advisor and their somebody else, you know, like gives out mm-hmm, pies mm-hmm. every Thanksgiving. And so they're like, we got pies taken care we, of. We so. got them all. <laughs> nice. Good jump start. Yeah. Good but, jump start. So. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, let's but dive I, in here, yeah. Tyler, and get to this great story. Tell us all about these folks that came in to meet with you. You got it. And let me set them up a little bit. Uh, as I think back, uh, I've been working with the family now for uh, about a handful of years. Um, and he had been in uh, IT uh, for most of his career. And she had been in the healthcare field, which is uh, definitely not uncommon for a lot of the families um, here in Northeast Ohio, a lot of healthcare professionals uh, that we work with. You know, they raised a family, had a few kids. And, you know, as I think most families, you get to a point where you're starting to look at those retirement accounts and, you know, kind of wake up one day and go, oh my, wow, that's a good balance in there. Do we, do we have enough, right? Hey, are we, do we, uh, can we actually pull the plug here and, um, you know, actually dive into retirement? And, you know, they were really starting to think through that and, you know, see if they were going to get to that point. And they actually signed up to go to one of our uh, retirement workshops uh, that we put on. Two-day course kind of talks through, you know, a lot of high-level decisions and transition points and challenges that face retirees. Uh, we put it on at the local university here. And uh, they had uh, attended that class. And uh, at the end of the class, um, you know, wanted to kind of have a more, I guess, intimate sit down meeting to talk through their situation uh, a little bit more in a little bit more detail. Um, They were in their late 50s, uh, early 60s, which I think poses, uh, you know, some unique challenges that I think will be good for us to touch on uh, here uh, as we kind of progress here through the podcast. But, you know, that first meeting when we're sitting down, we sat down together was very similar uh, to a lot of the first meetings uh, I have with families. And it was really just a lot of listening on my end and and trying to understand and think through and um, hear what they had to say about, you know, where they were at in their life and, you know, what they what goals and what they were trying to accomplish as they kind of started started to look out over the next 10, 15, 20 years. And I'll, I'll never forget, you know, he was sitting there. It was almost like two <laughs> two different views of retirement almost. Um, you know, he was uh, very much an avid traveler, loved to travel. And, you know, he's like, hey, 
I want to make sure I'm okay in the long run, but I want to spend as much as I can <laughs> and get as much out of this travel gig uh, in retirement. I don't want to give it up just because I'm I'm not working. So I, I want to make sure that you know whatever we do, if we pull the plug and we and we jump into retirement, that we don't have to give up um, some of those uh, all that traveling that we had um, you know become accustomed to and that we enjoy so much. And then you know from her perspective, it was a little different, maybe a little bit more conservative, a little bit more hesitant about just the transition at all. And, you know, a lot of comments like, I don't know, we probably don't have enough to go. You know, we're only in our late fifties. Don't we have to work till 65 or even, even later? So much more of conservative conversations around, Hey, I'm not, uh, I don't even think we're close <laughs> to go from the wife, which again, I don't think that's too uncommon at, at all. When you kind of get down there and, you know, you have an opportunity to, uh, have the spouses both kind of paint that picture of what retirement looks like and kind of one's got the foot on the gas the other's hovering (laughs) over the brake a little bit (laughs) right right and um i want to explore today that some of those unique challenges of someone wanting to go uh early um in retirement as i mentioned with her you know big thing on her mind was hey do we even have enough and then two what are we going to do for health care which I get that a lot, um, especially with individuals that want to go before 65. And you, you know why 65 is a big one, right? Well, the full retirement age for, oh, well, Medicare, kicks in, right? Medicare, yeah. you okay. nailed it. Good job. Yep. Yep. So, so Medicare. So it's like, well, what the heck are we going to do for healthcare, um, before age yeah. 65? Like and even if you retire of, at 62, you're still, you know, waiting on closer, that right? Medicare deal to come through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But but a little bit closer. I mean, the, so, you know, as we as we think about these, I want to dive in a little bit more into just these two things. One, healthcare, and what options are affor- were afforded to them and how they navigated that concern. And then two, let's get into a little bit of that distribution strategy and thinking through how they made it work and how they were able to actually be retired now for the last couple of years. So again, healthcare and you know, living off our money and how do we kind of make that work and make it come to life. Okay, perfect. So how did those options yep. start to come together? Sure, you got it. So as you think about healthcare, um, just to give a high level overview of well, what options are out there uh, for individuals uh, as they think about healthcare. And I think the big one uh, that comes to mind for most families is COBRA coverage, um, which is essentially um, something that's available to you when you leave your employer. Uh, you're able to maintain that COBRA coverage uh, for a period of time after you leave your employer. Now, there are a few quirks uh, around that time period, but for most families, you're eligible to maintain COBRA coverage for 18 months uh, after you leave. And that COBRA coverage is the exact same healthcare, um, in most cases, uh, as that you had through your employer, with one key difference, that you actually now have to pay upwards of 102% of what that healthcare costs. So a lot of individuals might look at your pay stub and go, ooh, this is what I'm paying for healthcare. Uh, that doesn't seem too bad, but you got to keep in mind that you, a lot of times your employer is paying a nice, he- healthy chunk of that as well. And of course, once you do go on to COBRA and you're no longer working for your employer, well, the employer is not required to maintain their part of the pie. So you got to make up theirs as well. So for a lot of families, that COBRA coverage is quite expensive. Um, have you ever had to do anything with COBRA before, Walt, on like a job transition or 
you know, had any family members? Yeah, that had I remember done it? most specifically when we moved to Colorado last year and Connie ended her job kind of looking at our healthcare options while we knew she wasn't going to be working for a period of time during that transition. And I remember looking at seeing how expensive Cobra was. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is insanity. <laughs> <laughs> I look back through my notes and for this family, their Cobra payment was about 1800 a month. And that oh was just gosh. for the two of them. Um, so it can be quite pricey um, for them. So then we start looking at saying, okay, well, we're looking at those numbers and that's not that's not really doable. Uh, what other options do we do we have? And there are a host of other options. Um, I'm not going to dive into all of them, but I'll rattle off a couple. I mean, you know, if you're going to be working as a consultant, you might be able to get a small business healthcare plan. There are short-term medical plans, private plans. There's even what's called faith-based. Um, healthcare plans where a lot of people can get them through their church and there's a required membership. So there are a handful of you know options that are out there, maybe even more than what most people realize, that if you meet one of those unique circumstances, you might be able to jump on and take advantage of uh, these types of plans uh, for a period of time. But again, I'm not going to dive into those. I want to talk more about the one that is av- available to all families and what most individuals are, are going to maybe settle on or have as an alternative to COBRA. And that's what we call individual health care plans or Obamacare, or maybe you've heard of them as Affordable Care Act plans or ACA. There's a whole host of terminology. It's always nice when they give us 85 <laughs> names to go by to reference something, isn't it? Yes, that's right. <laughs> right. But, uh, but I'll call them ACA plans today, probably through okay. most of my terminology as I go through. And again, we just think of that as like individual health care plans uh, that are available to you. This, and, is, this and, is where we're hitting the marketplace that was created, you know, what, correct. gosh, has that been a decade or... Oh, Obamacare, right? I mean, so it's um, it's been a while. I don't know if it's been, quite been a decade. Not quite a decade. Maybe, um, don't yeah. hold me to that, but uh, maybe it has been. Um, Getting close it's to been it, a while. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it has been. So, well, I guess yeah, it's probably it probably has been. So, um, but as you look at at the marketplace, I think there's a lot of maybe misconceptions on how that works. So, I want to peel back the onion on it a bit um, because I think understanding the details on it. Well, it might open up a lot of listeners' eyes as to, hey, this might be a possibility for us. But before so, you do, Tyler, I, I fact checked this. 20, 2010, believe it or not. So Longer than a decade. Longer than that. a decade. Wow. The first plan um, was March 23 of, two, of 2010. Man. Um, yeah. Well, see, there we go. Long over a decade now. Time, um, time was moving even that. faster than we had, had hoped or uh, even our worst <laughs> or fears. Or realized. <laughs> Um, So as you think about those plans, um, they are very specific to your local area. A lot of times you would uh, go on like healthcare.gov and run a search based off of your zip code to see like what type of plans are available to you in the area. Um, But what a lot of individuals might uh, not know is that the government steps in and provides a lot of help in the form of what they call premium subsidies uh, to certain families. And the amount of that premium subsidy is very dependent on the amount of income that hits your tax return. Specifically, modified adjusted gross income is the number that they look at. So here in Ohio, you're able to get potentially here in 2024, upwards of almost a little over $20,000 for a couple um, a year in healthcare subsidies. And the way those subsidies are applied is they lower your monthly 
premium. So you think about that, you know, almost a little over $20,000 in subsidies available. And what's that break down to? Maybe a little bit over $1,700 a month. So there could be a scenario there where your entire healthcare premiums for the uh, individual healthcare plan are pretty much wiped out and are zero per month, uh, depending on how much of these subsidies you're able to pick up and how you're able to do it. So when we look back on this family specifically, um, they've been actually on these individual health care plans for the last two years. Um, and they've picked up uh, almost $30,000 of tax subsidies over those two years. Hmm. Um, so almost 15, a little, little under $15,000 per year and essentially wiping out their health care premium to where they did not have a monthly premium. So you compare that to their option on COBRA, which was the same health care that they had while working, close to $2,000 a month, but the last two years on an ACA plan, uh, their premium has been zero uh, per month. It's a pretty hefty difference. Yeah, that's significant, especially if, when you see it pile up over a couple of years like that. Absolutely. Now, there's a lot of places that can trip you up here. So we want to be careful. I, mean, I think the first one is, is that overall plan selection. I made a comment earlier that it's very dependent on your zip code and where you live. So you want to make sure that you're looking at what plans are afforded to you in your area, what the deductibles are, what the out-of-pockets are. You know, are your healthcare professionals in network? And are you going to be able to get access to um, what you're looking for at a reasonable deductible and max out of pocket? Some of those plans are can be paired with a health savings account. Um, there's some opportunities to when you actually fill out the form and apply for the plans, you have to actually tell them how much your income is going to be. That's how they kind of pre-calculate that tax subsidy and tell you how much you're actual healthcare premium would be, you know, so there is some strategies there where you can actually take advantage of and pick up a little bit of extra uh, money when you file your return. And then you also have to have a very, very good understanding of, well, what is income, right? And what is the appropriate number uh, for you to put in there? So that way you can judge how much money that you're going to get from the government. Now, from a timely standpoint, we're really kind of right in the thick of it now because this uh, open enrollment for these individual health care plans to start in January uh, 2024 is actually right now, kind of runs through December 15th. Um, so there's a lot of work being done right now for families that are looking to retire at the end of this year, kind of weighing their options on, hey, what plan options are going to be available to me? And, you know, are one of these ACA plans going to be in my best interest as we kind of start that January 1, uh, 2024 date? It helps to kind of see how these different moving pieces can come together to help a retiree or somebody trying to plan for that retirement. But already, I mean, we've only hit this healthcare side of the equation. I know you've got more to dive into here, Tyler. Mm -hmm. You can see just retiring early just creates all sorts of extra little layers of challenges. Challenges and even opportunities, uh, right? Because as you, as you think about it, um, I look at it as an opportunity for them to pick up and kind of make that retirement work um, where it wasn't even in their mind or didn't even think that it would be possible to get a reasonable healthcare plan at reasonable cost. Um, and when you kind of peel back the onion and get down into the nitty gritty and the weeds, well, it could be possible. Some of the listeners might be thinking through this and going, well, okay, that's great. We can pick up these healthcare subsidies. It can save us a few bucks um, on our healthcare premiums, but don't we have to keep our income very, very low to 
pick up that free money. And that's a very good observation if you're asking yourself that. So this other piece of the pie that I want to talk about here is their distribution planning and how we made that work. Um, healthcare is a big piece, right? Very important. Uh, but obviously, understanding that distribution plan is what makes it all work. So as we think about distribution planning for them, you know, one of the f- first places we had to start is we had to have a very good understanding of, well, what, what, what spending are we going to have over the next two, three, four years here? And how much money do we, are we going to have to get to live off of? Because remember, they're, not, they're, they're in the early 60s. They can't start Social Security until 62. Um, and likely, in most cases, we recommend deferring that later anyway. But yet again, we got to manage and try to pick up as much of those tax subsidies as we can. So starting with, hey, what do we need? And I go back to this family situation again in that very first meeting, right? We're sitting in there and he said, hey, I want to retire, but I, I want to travel. I don't want to give that up. Um, I don't want to retire just to not be able to do what we want to and live the life that we've, again, become accustomed to. So that spending and working through that and having an understanding of, all right, hey, what do we need over the next few years allowed us to start thinking through that and then starting to solve for that problem of where is our money going to come from? Because, you know, a lot of people would think about this and go, well, if you just pulled up and set a distribution out of your pre-tax retirement account and pulled out enough to get almost $100,000 per year, well, you're looking at paying taxes on that money of, oh boy, maybe 10K a year, somewhere right around there. Um, So, and then you're also looking at saying, well, that's not super efficient because then well, that's going to lower the amount of tax subsidy that we get from the healthcare standpoint because our income is going to slowly start to get higher and higher and higher. So um, with them, what we decided on and what was a solution is they actually had a very, very unique opportunity afforded to them where you know he had uh, actually had some stock inside of his 401k that he had had for a number of years uh, that uh, appreciated significantly in value. So we were able to take advantage of a unique tax strategy called you know, net unrealized appreciation, where we were able to take a large distribution from his 401k account and only pay taxes on a fraction of the amount, um, which afforded them the ability to dump that money then in just a normal trading account or a taxable brokerage account that they could live off of very tax efficiently over the next few years, still get them the money that they need to live off of, and then you know max maximize that healthcare tax subsidy and minimize the amount of taxes. You know, I look back on their tax return over the last couple of years. And again, they've paid almost nothing in federal taxes uh, for the last two years. But again, have still gotten that money to live off of and picked up almost $15,000 a year. So 30,000 in total and healthcare tax subsidies, which, you know, minimize that healthcare premium for them. So a lot of moving parts there. Um, But, you know, as I kind of think about this story and their specific situation, I kind of look at it and go, wow, if, if we weren't taking a look at their entire financial picture, we probably wouldn't have been able to accomplish and build the strategy the way that we did, right? We had to understand, well, what healthcare plan options were available to them, 
are they going to work? Are there doctors in network? All right, two, well, to make that work, we have to have a distribution plan that minimizes their taxes. What opportunities do we have and accounts do we have to pull from? So there's a quite a bit of retirement and distribution planning there. And then three, well, that net unrealized appreciation, that's a pretty big tax strategy that we were able to take advantage of. So we had to have a very good understanding of their health situation, their retirement plan and their distribution strategy, and then taxes and kind of marry that all together um, to come up with what the best solution uh, for them would be. And I think that just really reiterates the value of, well, if you're listening and you're sitting there asking yourself, well, does my healthcare professional talk to my CPA who talks to my financial advisor and my investment advisor? And how how efficient is that communication? But between those professionals because if it's lacking you know having someone that's centralized to be able to do it and have an understanding of all those really this i think story kind of reiterates the value of that i talked about challenges you talked about opportunities and then it makes it very obvious when those things aren't coordinated that's how many the challenges don't go away but the opportunities mm-hmm. certainly do if that communication's not happening between all those different people and you don't have somebody quarterbacking the situation that's right. And, you know, again, some listeners might be thinking back and saying, okay, well, hey, to make their situation work, they took advantage of this unique opportunity, net unrealized appreciation. I don't have company stock in my 401k. Well, what, what, what should I pay attention to? Or what should be the opportunities where I can make a similar strategy work? And, you know, I'll kind of piggyback off of, um, I was working on a plan with another advisor here in the office, and we were kind of building a, sim- a similar strategy. Um, for them, they were wanting to retire a little early. I think they were in their early 60s. Um, so very, very similar to the family we just got done kind of walking through. Um, but they did not have that unique opportunity. So as we looked at their situation, we, we put a lot of focus on where is your money going and what do you need in those first few years of retirement? And, you know, when we were you know, talking through their situation, they were very charitable inclined. Um, so they were having a hefty portion each year going uh, to their church, which is not uncommon at all. So, and we looked at that and said, well, is there a way that we can kind of get the money that you need for gifting? So that way we don't have to go into your retirement account, pull it out, have that be taxable to you. And then again, again, similar situation as the family before. So healthcare is big for them, right? We're still looking at individual healthcare plans where that uh, taxable or that income um, matters because the higher it is, the less money we get in subsidies. We were able to look at their gifting and say, hey, can we front load some of that gifting? Uh, We used a a donor advised fund to be able to do that. So that way you have an account or a pot of money that you can pull from that wouldn't hit your tax return over the next few years, but eliminate a pretty hefty expense uh, that you were going to need early in retirement and thus not have to pull it from other retirement accounts and make it be taxable. Likewise, I don't know how many listeners are using an HSA. I feel like I try to say HSA on every podcast that we do because I love the type of an account. Um, But for that family, we had been recommending an HSA plan and they had had a sizable amount of money that was built up in there that we were able to then say, all right, hey, we got this HSA account now. Um, We're gonna be able to minimize your healthcare premiums but 
you're still going to have deductibles. You still might have some out of pockets, some copays that you're going to have to pay. We were able to then say, all right, well, that expense is going to be covered from your HSA account because we can pull money from there. It's not taxable. It doesn't add to your income. And, you know, we're starting to, in their situation, again, eliminate some of those big expenses. So their expected healthcare spending was down a bit because we had the HSA to be able to help pay those expenses that were coming out. And then the big gifting that they wanted to continue to do was already pre-funded. And then the last thing that we looked at in their situation, we, we did two sizable Roth conversions over the last few years where we were able to kind of pay taxes on the money, get it into an account that grew tax-free, and start to build a pot um, that we can pull from in that Roth account that we can utilize and withdraw from that would be tax-free, that again maximizes that healthcare tax credit because those distributions aren't taxable to them. Um, but that was, a well, something we've been doing for the last two years for them. So there's Definitely a lot of planning involved, but you can still make it work. You just got to plan for it. And there might be things that you do the first couple years before you actually pull the trigger and retire to start positioning money in accounts to where you can efficiently pull them out and manage that income a little bit lower and make that healthcare concern and turn it into something that's not as much of a concern and something that's realistic uh, for you to be able to do. And you know, all in all, we're doing this so that way you're able to retire and you know, live the life that you want. So you know, in their situation, which I want to kind of reiterate, I think I mentioned it a little bit with the story that we had talked about, but for this family too, it's not like we had to keep their income down to zero. They were still spending a significant or a sizable amount of money each year because they didn't want to give up that spending. But again, we just had to do the have the foresight uh, to look at their situation and position those assets and put the plan in place for them to be able to kind of work it those first few years of retirement before uh, in this situation before he had hit, actually hit 65 here in the next couple of years. So it definitely can work. Every family situation is different. So us as financial advisors, it's extremely important that we take the time to understand what's your situation, what are you trying to accomplish, where have you saved your money, and what are the things that we need to do now to put you in a position to be able to kind of say, hey, I can make this early retirement work. Uh, and some of these challenges that you know, a lot of people would think that would stop them from retiring early, healthcare, not having money to pull from because they're not taking their social security, we can work around those and make it work from a financial standpoint. Well, if you ever wanted to know how the planning process really plays out in real life, uh, well, there you have an example and a half of one, I think. <laughs> and a half, so right. one and a half ways to kind of understand just what it's like to go through true planning. I mean, really true planning, not just picking out a product or even one strategy, but integrating all of those different moving parts, retirement, taxes, distribution thoughts, healthcare. That's just scratching the surface too on on the story mm -hmm. as well, but really shows you the level of thinking and detail that goes into everybody's plan when they come in and meet with the team at True Wealth Design. So if you would like to go through your own planning process, the way that it starts is with a simple phone call or a simple uh, scheduling of an online meeting to have a conversation. See if you'd be a good fit to work with the planning team at True Wealth Design. Here's how you can set that up. You go to truewealthdesign.com, click on the Are We Right For You button. Pretty simple and easy to do that. You'll schedule a 15-minute call with the team, and they'll talk about your goals and what's going to help uh, maybe see whether you'll be a good fit to work with one another or not. And then uh, it's just basically an information-gathering meeting, and then they'll take it from there. Or you can call 855-TWD-PLAN if you want to engage in conversation that way. 855-TWD-PLAN. 
You can talk to Tyler, Kevin Krosky, and the great team at True Wealth Design. Tyler, thanks for breaking down these great stories for us on the show today. Really enjoy the level of detail. We'll have to do some more of these over time as well. I know it takes you a lot of prep to put these together, to talk to us about all these intricacies. So appreciate that extra mile that you go through to uh, come up with great content like this. You got it. Always a pleasure. All right. Hey, enjoy your Thanksgiving, my friend. Hope everything turns out and the turkey's not dry and uh, everything is uh, hunky-dory for you. And we'll be chatting with you, I think, a week after Thanksgiving will be our next episode. Sounds good. All right. Very good. That's Tyler Emmerich. I'm Walter Storholt. Thanks for joining us, folks. We'll see you next time right back here on Retire Smarter. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accurateness and completeness cannot be guaranteed. All performance reference is historical and not an indication of future results. Benchmark indices are hypothetical and do not include any investment fees.